So every single year, roughly 1 million new books are published. And out of these 1 million new books that are published, on average, they sell 250 total copies for the life of the book. Okay, so today I want to share with you some of the mistakes I've made selling a book. And out of these 1 million books that are published, Wall Street Journal chooses 52 of the business books that end up being a number one bestseller. And I had a chance to do that with your next five moves. I'm going to talk to you about the mistakes I made in the past and things we did right with us that can help you out as well. So many years ago, I had a mentor I was sitting down with in Sherman Oaks, and he told me, he says, Pat, this is a rich Jewish man, older man. He says, Pat, there's three things every man needs to do. I said, what is it? He says, number one, every man needs to have a son. I said, have a son? He says, because it continues your last name. Every man needs to plant a tree because it continues past your lifetime. And every man needs to write a book because when you're dead, this outlives you. Pretty interesting, right, when he said this. Now... When he said that, I started thinking about it. See, it'd be pretty interesting if I write a book one day. My kids, what they like to do is they like to grab paper. Dylan, especially, he goes and makes books. Dad, look at this book. This morning, 7 o'clock, he showed me a new book he just wrote. He's got like 20 books. And he says, this book I'm going to sell for $50. This book I'm going to sell for $100. But, Dad, this book I will never sell because this book is ours. So why should you and I consider writing a book? There's different reasons why people write a nonfiction book. One of them is to be seen as an expert in the marketplace. The other one is to make money. The other one is to document what you know or expertise and share what you learn. For example, uh, um, you know, Guy Kawasaki wrote a book of what it was to work with, you know, Steve Jobs. That is sharing his experiences, what he did, right? Steven Schwartzman writes a book about how he built a multi-billion dollar company that people are going through. Bob Iger talked about how he went from being a regular employee at ABC to eventually being the CEO of Disney for 15 years. These are things that you document and you share with other people, and we read it and we learn from it, right? Fourth one is legacy for your kids. One day your kids are going to read the book that you wrote. And the last one is to create a new audience. When you write a book and it's being sold different places and it's on different lists, people are able to get the book in their hands that they never followed. And all of a sudden they say, wow, I like this book. I like this guy. That's officially a new audience you have, new customer, new market you entered, right? Now here's the thing. Out of all of these reasons... The one thing that cannot be at the top of the list for writing a book is to make money. If that's the reason you're writing a book to make money, you're not going to make a lot of money writing books at first. It's got to be bigger than just writing money. This is, again, my opinion. Now, for a lot of you guys that ask me questions before I share with you 20 keys to writing a best-selling book, there's a couple things you need to know about me, how I write, how I read books. You know, I've written five books in my lifetime. The first book I wrote was called Doing the Impossible. I wrote that like 10 years ago, 2010 or 2011. Ended up selling 150,000 copies, self-published. And it wasn't a complicated book. It was simply 25 laws, and it was a self-published book. The second book I wrote was a niche specific for the insurance industry, and that was more for people to understand what my philosophy was in insurance. And so it was a way of saying, you want to know what I think is going to happen with the insurance industry? Read this book. And we went from 66 agents to now 17,000 agents nationwide. My entire vision of what I saw we could build was written in that book. That's a niche book. That's a completely different kind of a book. A book like that may not be a New York Times bestseller or a Wall Street Journal bestseller, right? So that's a completely different kind of a book. Third book I wrote, we winged it. It was called Life of an Entrepreneur, 90 Pages. And the fourth one was Drop Out and Get Schooled. It was almost like a blog turned into a book. And I don't recommend doing that. We did it just to do, to document it and see what could happen. My friend Tom said, let's write this together. He took the time to write it. We collaborated and that came out. But the fifth one that we wrote with Your Next Five Moves, 
I put a lot more time into it. This took me five years to ride. This was not a one-year ride. The Doing the Impossible took me 30 days. Your Next Perfect Storm took me 30 days. Uh, Life of an Entrepreneur in 90 Pages took us less than four weeks. Drop Out and Get School maybe took us two weeks. This took me five years. None of those became bestsellers. This became a bestseller. So why is that? Let me kind of unpack it so you can learn from my mistakes on how this thing took place. So how I choose a book to read. I went back before I wrote this book and I asked myself, how do you read books? How do you read books, books, Pat? I've read 1,500 books and I've listen to 500 audio tapes, and for some of you guys that are saying, well, Pat, for me to write a book, what do you mean? I, I don't, I'm not a writer. I shouldn't be writing a book. Just so everybody knows, full disclosure, I w- I've never taken English 101 in college. Never. It was always ESL, English as a second language. English is my fifth language, my first language, my mother's language, Armenian, then Assyrian, then I lived in Iran, Farsi, then I lived in Germany for two years, so German, and my fifth language is English. So you have to realize I'm EFL, English as a fifth language, and I was never a good writer. Uh, first book I ever finished in my life that I read cover to cover, I was 21 years old. So I want to give that there for you to know where I was at with books. Then uh, I decided to read books, and then it turned to what it is today where I can't stop reading, right? But this is my format on how I choose to read a book. Number one, I don't just read books. I study topics. So I'll choose a topic to study strategy. I'll go read everything on strategy on Amazon with 300-plus reviews. I'll buy all of them. If a book has... 300, 400 plus reviews on a topic of strategy, I'll buy all of them and I'll go through all of them together. If I want to study a topic on Lincoln, I'll buy all the books on Lincoln, 300 plus reviews, I'll go read all the books on Lincoln. That's my formatting. I study topics. I don't just read books. Number two, I consider where recommendation is coming from before reading it, meaning people will send me books, Pat, read this book, read that book, read this book. I have, how many books do I have that I haven't read that's being sent to me all the time? Hundreds of books that come here. Guys, I don't read any of it. I just want you to know, I don't read any of it. Because for me, my time, I got three kids. I run two companies. I have employees, attorneys, legal, accounting, finance, health, all of this stuff, creating content, podcasts, all of this stuff. I don't have time to just have somebody send me a book and say, read it. Now, somebody I admire, if they say, read this book, who I know, we have a relationship together, I read it. If an advisor of mine who knows me very well says, this is a book to read, I read it. If somebody I know closely who knows what kind of books I read and knows what will fill, and their credibility score with me is high because they've always recommended me good books, I read it. But outside of that, I don't just read any book because somebody recommended it. Number three, I research authors, meaning if I'm looking at this book, your next five moves. The first thing I would do is say, your next five moves. Oh, interesting title. Master the Art of Business Strategy. Okay. So I like what he's doing. Arthur, Ray Dalio. What do you say about him? Patrick's one of the most exciting thinkers I've had a chance to converse with. Ray Dalio. I respect him. Kevin Hart. Patrick's one of the most driven, goal-oriented individuals that I've ever met. What he has done has inspired so many individuals, including myself. I'm not only a friend, I'm a fan. Robert Greene, Steve Wozniak, Robert Kiyosaki, Brian Tracy. Who is this guy, Patrick Bay David? Then I go Google and Patrick Bay David. Then I go on YouTube. I see who he is. Then I said, okay, this guy is a businessman. He has done some stuff. He's not just a person that created something. Then I buy the book. So this is how I do it. So I'm saying it to you because if you want the right kind of readers to read your book, you have to know that's what they're doing as well. Number four, I read trifectas, meaning there are authors who write a book because they have theories that they read from other people, but they never apply to They're writing from things that they learn, like scholars, professors, you know, people who done case studies, things like that, but not themselves. I know if I'm reading a book from somebody that's just a scholar or professor, the weight for me, I know this may offend some people, it's not at the highest level for me. 
I don't put a lot of weight behind somebody having a college degree for me to go read their books. I want to know you were in the trenches doing something. Number two is witness. I like reading books from people that witness somebody. I mean, if you look at Guy Kawasaki, he witnessed Steve Jobs. So some of his books that he wrote back in the days, Rules for Revolutionaries, I read the book. I like to read books that there's somebody that witnessed somebody else doing something, right? The whole movie of American Gangster is about Frank Lucas witnessing a boss, then he becomes a boss. But the highest level for me is application. This is why I'll go through reading a story on uh, Bob Iger. This is why I enjoy reading a book on Ted Turner and he writes it. This is why I'll read Kirk Kerkorian. This is why I'll go through Steve Jobs. This is why I'll read through Benjamin Franklin. This is why I'll read through because they did it. Ray Dalio, they did it. They're, they're sharing with you and I what they did themselves. So now if you're listening to this and you're saying this book is about how to write a best-selling book, I just shared with you reasons why people write a book that any one of these things connect with you. You may say, yes, I do want to leave a legacy. I just shared with you how people like me who have read 1,500 books and 500 audibles, how I choose a book, do you qualify for any of these? Because I didn't in the past before. You may say, I don't yet. Well, then perfect. Now let's talk about what to do for you to eventually write a best-selling book. Fair enough. So let's get right into it. Number one, choose an industry or niche to become an expert in. It doesn't matter what it is. Meaning you're going to say, I want to be the best marketer in the world. Great. Go study that. I want to be the best in real estate. I want to be the best negotiator. I want to be the best on sales. I want to be the best in coding. Whatever it is, choose one, not five, one industry, niche, or skill set to go learn. Number two, study every single expert in that field. You see, when I watch LeBron, even I'm not a big LeBron fan myself, but he plays for the Lakers, and I like the way how he's a historian, meaning he'll quote and say, you know me, uh, you know, Rachel, I'm a historian, I've studied the game, I remember when this happened, that happened, this happened. I go to where he goes, so I'm like, this is a guy that chose an industry and he became a historian of his business. Same was Kobe, same was Michael, same are a lot of people in that field that become who they become. You go study the history of it. Who, who was the best in my game? Who was the best in real estate? Who were the top 10 ever to do real estate? Who were the top 10 best investors that ever did what they did? That's how Warren Buffett became who he became. He studied every single great investor until he said, I'll take a little bit of this. I don't know about this, but I like this from this person. I like that from this person, but not the other 19 things. I love the six things from this person. And then they put it together and filter that five things. That's their philosophy, right? So number one, choose an industry. Number two, study every expert in the field. Number three, become one of the best in the industry. So for me, I chose business. I chose insurance. I went specific finance. I'm a series 7, 66, 31, 26, life and health. All of these got 31, 6, 63, life and health, 26. All these licenses, I can sell stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all, the, all of these things I could sell. I went, boom, insurance was me, right? All this stuff, oh my gosh, you know, skill sets I can learn, sales negotiation. I went here. Okay, what am I going to be doing? Content, blah, 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 entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, boom, I'm going to go here. This became my niche. Then I studied everything on this for 20 years. I know it's a long time. I'm just telling you what I did. 20 years. Then next, 
get nationally recognized for you. This doesn't happen overnight, but you get nationally recognized. The more people are starting to see and listen to you, and they say, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is what happens. Interesting. I like what this guy has to say. Bob, what do you think about what this guy, go to minute six and see what he says. I like what he said. Bob, oh, wow, this is, guys, watch what this guy just says here. I mean, I say, I agree with him. I agree with him. Can I get the link to the, I'll text it to you. Boom. Hey, babe, look what this guy says on minute six. You don't know this is happening, but that's what's happening behind closed doors. You become nationally recognized. Number five. Have differing opinions than the usual suspects. A lot of people come to Valuetainment and they'll say, I absolutely disagree with you, Pat. Awesome. I'm okay with that. I totally disagree with what you have to say. I'm not trying to create content to get everybody to believe what I have to say. I do have some differing opinions than the usual suspects. I do have some different ways that I think things need to be done. Some people say, you should never talk about politics on your channel. That's a mistake PBD made. Great. I'm not trying to be like everybody else. I'm not trying to be a usual suspect. I'm going a different angle. I'm going to go a different direction. Anybody that wants to get this kind of attention, you can't be vanilla like everybody else. you got to have your own set of different opinions. Number six, uh, uh, share with the world what you know. Podcast, blog, video. Choose one of those three platforms. Podcast, blog, video. If you're a writer, write. If you're a speaker, speak. If you like video, get in front of the camera, create some content. Eventually, people are going to see you talking about this morning. They're going to say, he makes sense. She makes sense. I like that. I understand what he's saying. Number seven, win over an audience plus influencers, meaning win over a niche audience, not let me try to win over everybody. Niche, niche. I won over the entrepreneur audience. I won over that audience. There's an audience you got to win over, right? Then all of a sudden, when you're Kind of coming up, then influencers say, I like who this guy is. Hey, can we go have a cup of coffee? Hey, can we go lunch? All of a sudden, you got five, ten influencers that are now your friends. So influencers work with each other and they help each other out. Hey, Pat, I got a book coming out. Can you do an interview with me? Lewis House, come on down. We'll promote you. Hey, Pat, I want to have you on Lewis, you know, my show. I go to Lewis and fly in and we do an interview. It, it does good. Hey, you know, Jay Shetty, I, you know, I want to have you. Okay, great. Hey, Jay, whatever you need, come down here. We'll do great collaboration. This kind of stuff starts taking in place and you're collaborating with other people, right? That's kind of the influencers you start creating. Next, number eight, create a voice on the topic you're an expert in. Become a voice. I mean, obviously, the more you do this, you eventually become a voice. Number nine, build a loyal audience of true believers and that share everything you do or say. This is not going to be everybody, meaning if you got 100,000 people, maybe you have 100 or 500 true, true believers that are going to share everything with you. It's not a big number, but you need those anyways. These are folks that are true believers. We got true believers, Vaitainers, who you go around, I'll see them at the mall. They got a Vaitainment hat. They got a Vaitainment shirt. They speak the Vaitainment language. It's a completely different thing. When I see them at the vault conference, when they come over here, when I see them at the airport, these are true, true believers that are obsessed. It's a very small community. You know who you are. Many of you guys and I have spoken together. Next, number 10, gather, collect their info, email, and text. So whatever contacts you have, as you're creating this audience for yourself, gather email, gather text, so they're staying close to you so you can share with them other products that are com- uh, that's coming up. Number 11, journal, gather your social capital. Let me explain. So when I say journal your social capital is make a list of all your personal stories. That's the one that nobody can take away from you. This is yours, that's your fingerprint, right? You look different than everybody else in the world, right? Your stories that you've experienced, nobody can take that away from you. That's, that's yours. I lived at a refugee camp, and I went and got the Super Nintendo at the swimming pool with a girl that was Czechoslovakian. That's my story, right? That is my story. 
I lived in Iran. My dad's crossing the bridge. My mom's sitting in the white Renault. My sister's in the back. A big red flash in the back comes out. My dad says, don't look behind us. We look behind. The bridge 50 yards behind us is coming up because we got bombed from Iraq. That's my story. I'm in the Army, 101st Airborne Division. I'm digging a 6 by 6 by 3 foxhole, and I'm doing four of them because I wanted to impress my drill sergeant. And after I'm digging them and digging them and digging them, I don't drink any water because I'm in South Carolina. My temperature is 104 degrees. I get hospitalized for two days. I lose 16 pounds in two days. That's my story. You can't take that story away from me. So you got to make a list of your stories. This is not five stories. These are not 10 stories. This could be 100 stories, but it's your stories. The next one is your personal philosophies, your own philosophy. You say, this is what I believe in. This is what I believe in. Here's what it takes to be great in sales. Here's what it takes to be great coder, great negotiator, great in real estate. Whatever your personal philosophies are, that could be 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 of them. Next, uh, other people that have influenced you through their books. So what other books influenced you in this area? Quotes that you really like, like quotes for me is, History can be, will be kind to me for I intend to write it by Churchill. I know it's got a lot of different meanings to it, but to me, it's got a meaning that influenced me. Another one is be careful what you joke about or be sarcastic about because your spirit stops having faith in the words that come out of your mouth. These are quotes that stuck with me. So you make a list of that, right? You're documenting stories, philosophies, books, quotes, right? Next, create an outline. And I call this a three by five or five by three or five by five or three by eight. Let me explain what I mean by this. For example, this book, okay, uh, this book, it's got five moves, right? Your next five moves. Move number one, when you read it in table of content, says master knowing yourself. Move number two is master the ability to reason, master building the right team, master strategy to scale, master power place. That's five. Under each, got three chapters. Move number one has three, move number two has two, move number three has three, move number four has four, and move number five has three. And then there's the conclusion, right? So it's, you break it down into sections and then you add the chapters that are relative, uh, that relate to that point that you're trying to make. My first book I wrote, Doing the Impossible, was a similar format, three by, three by 10, eight, six. Let me explain, first chapter was, Recreate yourself, right? So what is recreate yourself? I have 10 chapters there. Number two is identify your cause. Eight chapters there. Number three is go make history. Six chapters there. And number five was the last move, make a bold move. That's 25. But it was a three breakdown. So take the points that you have as you're trying to write this nonfiction book and unpack them into sections. Your brain will be able to see it much better because then you'll start matching the stories to the points and the sections that you have. So number 13 is research a literary agent that believes in you. So don't just go to somebody that everybody uses. Go to somebody that believes in you. I'm, do, I'm doing a lot of people that are reaching out to me right now. So I'm doing a lot of interviews of other literary agents and they're saying, hey, we'd love to have you and we've seen what you've done and all this other stuff. I've not been approached by this many people. All of a sudden, everybody's contacting. So I sit there in the last five years. I'm like, who do I like? Who do I go with? Who believes in what I'm doing? Once you find somebody that believes in you, then the next point is you go to a publisher that matches you. That publisher's got to be a match. You can't go to a publisher that doesn't match what you're doing. If you're somebody that's an atheist, you don't go publish your book with Thomas Nelson. I don't even think if they would take you anyways. But you got to go with a publisher that matches what you're trying to do. Next, team up with a co-writer. Not a co-author, but a co-writer, meaning... Some hire ghostwriters, and they want to say that they wrote it. Some do co-writers, and some do co-authors. The difference between a co-writer and a co-author is this. I wrote the book with Greg Dinkin. He's not a co-author, 
but he helped me write the book. So the book is written from me sharing it with you, but he and I co-wrote it, not co-authored. It's everything I'm sharing with you, but he's a writer. I don't want him to be a ghost. I want him to get credit because if I do more books with him, he knows exactly that he is a writer. We worked on this project together. That's, why, that's my style. I like going that direction. You can go a different direction. I like getting a co-writer that knows how to match my voice. By the way, just so everybody knows, Greg Denkin probably spent a total of 100 hours around me before we wrote the book together. Just so you know, he's been in negotiation. He's seen me lose it. He's seen me do everything. He's seen me in the sales meetings. He's seen me at conventions. When we did a convention with President Bush, Kobe, the late Kobe Bryant, Jordan Peterson, he was, if I went to my suite, he was in my suite. If I was speaking, he was sitting behind watching me. If I'm backstage, he's with me. If I'm talking to President Bush, if I'm talking, he's next to me pretty much the entire time. He did that in board meetings. He did that at the office. He did that in vault conference. He did that everywhere before we wrote together because he finally got my voice. So that's the right way of doing it. Again, I'm telling you, it takes a long time. So it's not an easy thing to do. This takes a long time. Then after that, we have a uh, write a killer book. To me, that's one of the most important ones. I fully believe in this book because I believe in this book. I sell it easily. If you go watch the 1,400 videos that we have on Valuetainment, watch how many videos I've actually ever sold any of my other four books in. You're watching and say, man, maybe three of them out of 1,400, but I believe in this book. This is a unique book I wrote that I know can change somebody's life. I'm not selling it. I believe it. I know it. We put a lot of time into this, right? So the more you produce a better product, the, more you, the better you sell it, and then eventually you will know if it's a real book or not when the book is selling five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. I talked to uh, the agent of Stephen Covey, and she talked about how, you know, the first book he did uh, uh, was uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Sold 50 million copies till today. He sold them nearly 150 million copies. She published Tony Robbins' first book when she was 25, he was 26. And from there on, boom, he sold 75 million copies of books over, since the last 40 years or whatever, 33 years, 34 years. Because as the books create momentum and you're creating a catalog, great books sell forever. You want to write a great book, not just a book that's good because you want to be seen as an expert for three months or six months. That was the second book I wrote. This is a book that's going to last a lifetime, right? So that's that book. Write a great book. Next, 17, marketing campaign. you got to have a marketing campaign in place and exactly knowing timeline. Six months out, 12 months out, how are you going to launch it? When are you going to launch it? What's the timeline from the moment you say the book is coming out? Do you put it out for three months, four months? What do you do? These are a lot of things that you got to spend a lot of time getting clear with, with the marketing campaign, videos, collaborators, interviews, articles, you know, all of those things. Number 18 is... Uh, uh, don't hurry writing a book. Don't hurry writing a great book. It's like, I got to get a book out. Nope, don't hurry. Take your time. You know, great things take time. You don't need to hurry it up. Look, whatever you do, it takes 40 weeks to have a baby being born. You know, some cases comes faster, but it takes 40 weeks, right? There are certain things you can't hurry. You cannot hurry a great book into making. Number 19, outreach to the influencers that you had. And last but not least, focus on messaging, not on being the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. They just sent me a message saying Simon & Schuster is now on the top putting number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. This is now uh, in the first month of being out. It is now being translated in Mandarin. It's now uh, one of the biggest publishers in China just picked it up, China. Uh, it is being, uh, uh, give me the other ones, Portuguese, uh, Spanish, um, 
It's like seven or eight, like Romanian, Russian. It's like seven or eight languages in the first month. Within the next couple of years, this is going to be 50, 60 different languages that's being translated in. But the focus is on messaging, not on being number one. I was in a meeting while we're doing our annual virtual convention with 15,000 agents, and I'm sitting over there with Matt Sapala and Ricky when all of a sudden I get an email from Simon & Schuster saying, guess what? You are the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. I said, what? Number one. There's only 52 books a year they choose out of business books to be a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, and it made it on that. But that's because there was a lot of time put in the past, and I screwed things up a lot in the past that helped me be able to write a book like this. So a couple things here. Number one, if you want to get all the notes today that was shared with you, I have these notes for you for new uh, on a website that you can go get. So a couple ways you can get the link to all this. not going to be PDF, but you'll get all the notes. You can actually look at it, print it, and look over so you can put your strategy in place. If you want to get the link to this, text the word BOOK. Text the word book to 310-340-1132. Again, text the word book to 310-340-1132. We'll send you the link. And if you're international, if you go below and you subscribe to the newsletter, we send you the link to that as well, uh, where to go and find all the points that we have here. On top of that, I got two books I want, two other videos I want you to watch that have to do with this topic. One of them is how to create content. Some people don't know how to create content. There are rules to creating content. I explained it in this video. It's very vivid. It's very clear, very crystal. If you've never seen it, click over here to watch that video. And the other one is how to research. One of the things we talk about is researching. Most people don't know how to research. Go watch this video on how to research any topic. I think I did this video out of Ball Harbor in Miami. If you've not seen that, watch Click over here. If you've not seen this one, click over here. And if you've not subscribed to the channel, do so. Thanks for watching, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.